I heard a story this past week that's been haunting me ever since. It wasn't the contours of the story itself or the characters in it, but what I wonder the story might reveal about how we humans tend to be when left to our own devices, and by extension, how it is that God, through his revelation in Jesus Christ, calls us to live as his transformed creation. So it's the story of a girl in the punk rock scene in Richmond, Virginia. I didn't even know that there still was punk rock. And I surely didn't know there were enough people in Richmond, Virginia, who were into it, or this music that's sometimes also called hardcore, in order to form a group or a scene, a subculture. But there are. Here's what happened. This woman, who's about my age, felt like she never fit in growing up. She tried on lots of masks. Her mother had her involved in toddler and preschool-aged beauty pageant life. She rebelled against that as she grew up by turning to loud, angry music, the punk scene, finding an outlet for the frustration she felt at not belonging. It wasn't a place that was common for a young woman to be hanging out. It was a group mostly of men, and at least once her gender was a liability, as many men didn't think that women belonged in that group. But as she grew more entrenched in this new family over the years, spent her nights building relationships with her fellow misfits, she saw the scene shift with more room for women and with more voice for the power dynamics that she felt had held her back. She became a star in this scene, writing and performing her own work. She was famous as an activist activist for equality and for just and dignified treatment of women in punk culture. I was so struck by the way that she talked about the moral code that punks hold themselves to. She repeated this saying many times, punks are better than that. I was intrigued by this strong sense of justice and of holding members of the community accountable for their actions. That's something that she saw as a big part of her work in her performance, using her voice to enact more just treatment for everyone. And then she had a downfall. It came out that back in high school, she'd been a bully to other girls, a mean girl, if you will. This revelation toppled her place in the punk family. She was thrown out of the community, and a lot of mean, hurtful, and damning things were said about her online. She was banned from clubs and from hangouts, She talked about feeling like she couldn't go outside, couldn't even go to the grocery store for fear of seeing someone she knew and being bullied herself. But still, she didn't abandon the values that she'd taken on when she joined the punk community as an adolescent. She was in pain and she felt alone, 
but she understood this as the wages for her behavior. She knew that she was in the wrong and that the pain of isolation was her own fault. Out of her remorse, she reached out to those whom she'd wronged half a lifetime ago, and she apologized. Her victims knew that she was sincere, and yet, because forgiveness was not written in to this punk code, there was no way for her to be reconciled with this community that had become her family, her identity. She was still alone. As I listened to this story, I couldn't help but think about how sad it was that there was no grace, no forgiveness, no peace offered in this community. Their overarching principle was instead, follow the rules or else. And while this woman longed for acceptance, she knew she didn't deserve it. She didn't measure up. And so she just lived with her pain. The transforming work that pain can do was a big theme in this story too. How looking at our sins and our bad behavior in the face, it can just about tear us apart. But it is by turning our gaze toward our own darkness when we shed light on our sin that's when we can begin to be changed. Ephesians puts it this way in our reading this morning. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. Just like this young woman lived in a world that told her she was unworthy of forgiveness and she believed it, We live in a world that tells us lies, too. I don't know the particular brand of falsehood that haunts the corners of your mind or the voices that whisper stories in your ears or the visions that are presented to you about who they think you should be. But I do know that we are all susceptible to the power of the prince of the air. Let us now turn toward the true story, the only story that has bearing on our lives, the story to which each of us, all humanity and all creation, belong. On Good Friday, the body of Christ, the body of the church, hung on a cross, suffering, isolated, shamed, the object of great anger, no grace, no forgiveness, no peace. And what did Pilate say to get Jesus there? I was just following the rules. In following the rules, set up by the corrupt authorities and by the lie-telling powers of the air and by the prince of darkness, Jesus was murdered. Sin is what killed Jesus. 
Pilate is an important part of our story. Indeed, we mention him each and every week when we gather together and say the Nicene Creed, when we tell the story of our faith with our words in unison. As Pilate washed his hands of Jesus' trial, he said, I was just following orders. I'm struck that this is the same thing that guards at concentration camps said to defend themselves during the Nuremberg trials in the late 1940s. Just like Pilate, just like the guards, were often tempted to say, I was just following orders, when what we really mean is, I know that this is wrong but I'm too afraid to do what is right. It's the same thing that happened to the apostle Peter when he denied Jesus three times. And it's the same temptation, temptation Jesus faced in the wilderness. It's even the same thing that Eve and Adam said when God found them eating the forbidden fruit. Well, this, this serpent gave it to me. Well, this woman gave it to me. I was just following orders. We too are tempted to bow to the prince of the power of the air, to refuse responsibility for our own actions, to pass the buck and let someone else take the blame, let someone else shoulder the burden. I pray that God may give courage to his church and to each one of us to ask in what way we ourselves might be saying, I'm just following orders. But the story is not over. It keeps going. Night fell on Good Friday, and the day turned to Holy Saturday. Likewise, when we turn toward the death which trespasses and sins and the way we walk in the course of this world damns us to undergo, we're led through it, painful though it may be. We walk into the desolation and the stillness of the valley of death, the valley of dried up bones, the detritus of our lives, the littered shards of our own sense of righteousness, our own sense of justice, our own pride and our misplaced hope, our own sense of security and our own sense of power. The stories that we've been listening to, the lies that we've built our lives on, the falsehoods that we've clung to, when up against the truth of death, they produce the broken up vision of what we'd had for our lives. We have to look at the dashed dreams and the hazy, now impossible pictures of our future, which taunt us. You may walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You may traverse the gully of dried up bones but you do not do it alone. God, the good shepherd, God in Jesus Christ, who has himself experienced death, desolation, and abandonment, he promises to go with you. 
And as God goes with each of us and with each of our communities through the death that we heap on ourselves through our sin, the death that we heap on our loved ones, the death we heap on our neighbors, whether they be in the house next door or the country next door, just as surely as Saturday night turns into Sunday morning, redemption comes. Resurrection comes. God comes. God comes through death, through the valley, on Easter morning, and on every morning, because God's mercies are new and God's hope is unflagging. The way that our community our subculture is different from the world's culture, from the world's story, from the punk story, different from the lies and the falsehoods of the prince of the power of the air, is that grace and peace, forgiveness and reconciliation, redemption and release through Jesus Christ, our our foundation. This community and the church throughout the world is founded on truth, the only truth. Christian life is not the absence of pain and suffering, the avoidance of desolation or darkness, but the gift of faith that light overcomes darkness that pain and suffering are ultimately transformed into joy and peace, that death never has the final word. So we have something to learn from the punks who do not shy away from telling the truth, from calling others to account, from facing up to their own sins. But we add to it the grace which we read in Ephesians and throughout all scripture, that as we face our sins and darkness, as individuals and families, as communities and countries, we are redeemed, forgiven, gifted with the grace to love well, to turn from our sin and live in the humble and freeing exposure of God's great light and truth, which is Jesus Christ. Amen.